Welcome to another episode of Formula One Philosophy. I'm Nick. Today, riding solo. Once again, my partner will be joining us soon, and we'll have some very big discussions coming up, mainly to do with a lot of the stuff coming up in the new 2024 season. But until then, I'm going to rant away all my thoughts and all my all the bullshit in my mind until we get to a new season where we can discuss weekly or bi-weekly what's going on. Today, like I said, is just a Formula One therapy episode. So that's the difference. And I think I should finally get down and tell everybody my thought process. For- Formula One philosophy is the name of the podcast. So this podcast is Formula One philosophy. It encompasses discussions with me and my partner, soon to be in episode form, named Sean. A lot of you may think he's a figment of my imagination, and he may be, may be, he may be a figment of my imagination, and you will discover that this, all these recordings are incriminating evidence that will put me in the sanitarium. And that's fine. That's completely fine. It's probably where I belong after a lot of the stuff I've recorded. But hey, you know, we all make mistakes. But yeah, so Formula and Philosophy is the all-encompassing podcast. Therapy, therapy is for me. It's for Nick. It's for me, not you. I don't really care what you think about my therapy episodes, but they're there. There are a lot of stuff I've had in my mind over the years, and I want to let them out. Or there are recent thoughts that I'm having, and I want to discuss them be in my own mind. And today is one of those, actually. It's the latter. Today is a is a... It is new thoughts in my head, and I want to discuss them. And the other one, other half of the episode will be a discussion on something that's been in my mind a long time, and it's as to why I created this podcast. So today we're getting maybe a, an origin story, or half of an origin story. Half of the episode will be a origin story-like podcast. So yeah, I hope you guys have been listening. I hope you've been enjoying what we've been posting, we're, we're hoping to record regularly and have a lot of thoughts in our minds too. Originally, I thought the idea uh, of making this podcast, to make this podcast was because Sean and I used to just talk a lot about Formula One, hours at a time. And I always thought like, or I didn't ever think, but I just thought like I loved our discussions. And then it was last year sometime we were having another one of our great discussions, and I thought, why don't we, why don't we at least record this? I feel like people would love these these podcasts too. I feel like they would like to hear what we're talking about because it, we're not necessarily wrong, and even though we're not necessarily in the Formula One paddock, we do have great ideas. Sean is a is actually someone, and when he introduces himself, he he's someone who could have been in the Formula One paddock. He's that smart. And I'm just more of someone who recognizes trends. I'm someone who sees sports trends. And I've always had a good record of predicting things. And so I thought, why not have it on the record this time? Like we already did with Gunther Steiner and Haas. And I recorded on January 8th saying, what the hell is the point? And two days later, he's gone. Two days later, it's like, what was, what's been the point of this guy? Like, what, what has he created? What type of team does he have now? Do Haas really need this guy going forward? And sure enough, I think Gene Haas must be an avid listener of this podcast. One of the many millions of listeners we have, by the way. 
500 million subscribers through all platforms. I think maybe even just YouTube, 500 million people listening to this podcast on any given day. That's daily. We might be the biggest podcast in human history. I don't know. I guess uh, I guess the analytics will tell. But yeah, that's that's why I originally thought to create this podcast because we both have great ideas. And we both need to get them on the record finally. Instead of just like talking to each other about it, let's let's tell the world what we think. See what they think. See if they agree with us. Maybe we're wrong. I know everybody's going to think I'm completely wrong because I do say a lot of crap that's not necessarily sourced or backed up. It's just my thoughts. It's my opinions. And once again, I don't care. So yeah, this is Formula One Therapy. Episode, I don't know. I don't know, I think it's six or seven now. Well, you'll see as I as I post more episodes. So I had a thought. Let's get right into it now. That was five minutes of, of garbage. Let's now get into the topic of discussion today. So there's breaking news as of this week, and Madrid is going to be on the calendar come 2026. And it's... To me, a bit of a surprise, considering the other four Spanish tracks are incredible. Barcelona is an amazing track. It's always had some great drama. It's always been a great race. It's a lovely circuit. It's got great straightaways, great cornering, in my opinion. I think maybe some people may disagree. I also think Jerez, something that hasn't really been on the on the calendar for a while. I didn't even know the last time it was on, it was on the Formula One calendar. Amazing circuit. A lot of history, a lot of drama. used to always host the European Grand Prix or regularly hosted the European Grand Prix. Beautiful track. It's where Schumacher and Villeneuve had their little scuffle in 97. And as much as Schumacher may have been in the wrong there, in my household, we are avid Schumacher fans. And we blame Jacques Villeneuve, even though we're completely wrong. He probably deserved what he got. Yeah, and uh, this is uh, this podcast is recorded in Canada, which which very unpopular opinion, and also an unpopular opinion worldwide. But we don't care in our household. We firmly believe Schumacher did everything he could in the right there. That's a tongue in cheek joke comment. Obviously, he was in the wrong. However, at the time in '97 when we watched that, our instinct was to blame Villeneuve. And to be honest, I don't think we were far off. But yeah, that was another great course. And the other two aren't as well known, but uh, still very good. I think there was another another street course that was uh, 2012 European Grand Prix. Forget which one that one was. I think it actually also might have been Jerez. But anyways, there's a bit of an uproar as to why Madrid was given the new spot in come 2026. And something that caught me, caught my eye, and made me want to have this talk, is that people are saying, two, there's too many road courses on the calendar already. Well, where the hell were you 15 years ago when they started adding way too many road courses? Where the hell were you when Abu Dhabi was added? Saudi Arabia, a terrible road course. Qatar, a mix, terrible road course. Where were you when, last year when you added Vegas? Everybody's now shitting on the layout of Vegas. It was actually a decent race. 
But considering, we didn't need another road course then. Now, everybody likes Singapore. I'm a little mixed about it. I think it makes for a decent race. But once again, that's another course. Azerbaijan, to me, is just a terrible course. I've never liked it. I like the castle sections. I like aspects about it. But for the most part, it's just, it's never been that good of a race. There's only been drama in the sense of someone DNFing at the last second or a, a, a tire blowing up. It's it, Otherwise, the rest of the race is just blech. Hard to watch sometimes. The last couple of years, especially like 2021, there was that drama, like I said, with Verstappen's tire and Hamilton's skids off on the first corner on the restart. But it's like the rest of the race was just awful. Nothing exciting about it. And it's never really been an exciting race. It's just been a qualifying heavy race, kind of like Monaco, which for some reason is under the is under the is under the knife. Like it could potentially be cut out of Formula One. Monaco of all street courses. Yeah, the cars are bigger. Yeah, there's makes for less passing. But there's not much passing in all these courses I've mentioned. There's not much. There's not many overtakes. And we're going to talk another day about whether overtaking is racing. I think they're mutually exclusive things. But if, if, you're, if you're making your whole organization around overtaking like that was something that came out of 2009 of the original regulation changes the big one it was that we need more overtaking we need more passing on the course we need less passing in the pits which is why they eventually got rid of uh, refueling and why they went to blanket tire manufacturers which ugh, that's another awful awful thing that they did and we'll probably be able to talk about it in another podcast but yeah, this is, all these things came about because they wanted more road courses and more overtaking. And, and as usual, something they did, another, a regulation change they made, ended up being completely against what they were striving to get. They strived for one goal, and the outcome was completely different. Again and again. And... They're finally, and the F1 community, the F1 media is finally putting its foot down when there's now how many road courses on the calendar? With with mixes, I think they said this would be the seventh. Australia is an excellent hybrid one. I've been to that Grand Prix. It's a lovely Grand Prix. But it, it was a rarity. It was usually the first race. They got the most grueling race out of the way, and then they moved on to circuits back in the day, even as, as, as much as recently. I think, yeah, it was, well, when I was there, it was 2017, and it was the first race of the season. And, and these hybrids, they're coming up more and more, and I think, from my understanding, the Madrid is also going to be a hybrid. But if the community's up in arms now, but if you're up in arms now, it was a problem when it started. A lot of these cars originally designed were not intended to have these grueling high-speed road courses. It's especially tough on the driver's body too. I know they're, they've been complaining about that. So it doesn't benefit the drivers. It's not necessarily better to watch. There, like I said, there are some. I think we'll keep Singapore. I think we'll keep Australia. 
Monaco should definitely stay for historical purposes. It's a wonderful qualifying every year. And it's even getting better. I've noticed there has been a few, whereas 2021, there was barely any overtakes. The last couple of years, there were a few. There were a few overtakes. There was also, it made for good, good drama. You know, especially when Monaco gets wet. One of the weirdest races of all time was the 96 one where three cars finish. Olivier Panis gets his first and only win. It's, you want, you want drama, but you don't want ridiculous nonsense. And I say that because a lot of, a lot of like, especially the Arab courses, the hybrids and the road courses, it just creates nonsense races, especially Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia should not be on the calendar, but we know that's never going to happen because Aramco, Formula One, Sponsored by Aramco, we have Mercedes Patronus with Net Zero 2030, which, oh my God, that's another another awful discussion that I'm not looking forward to having on this podcast, but the the oil-rich nations who run F1 are, are advocating for Net Zero 2030 and uh, renewable fuel in 2026. Just give me a fucking break. How many times are you going to miss your marks on on upgrades and and dry, and car developments every few years to to ruin this sport? And I'm going to talk about this a little later in the podcast. But yeah, they, we're up in arms about Madrid, but we weren't up in arms with the other six, a lot of which shouldn't be on there. We're up in arms about Monaco, like uh, just a classy wonderful weekend for everybody everybody has a good time at monaco the drivers love monaco they it's so prestigious everybody wants to be the winner at monaco let's ask that and let's put qatar bahrain uh saudi arabia uh, abu dhabi like fuck sake get rid of abu dhabi for the love of god kimmy reikinen said it best and i think it was 2010 he said the first few corners are are lovely and the rest of the course is quite shit and he's absolutely right it's a, always been a boring race it's the title decider half the time doesn't it created drama in 2010 and and that was it 2016 i think as well like and 2020 2021 but for not not because of the track the track created no drama there was nothing exciting about the racing hamilton versus rossberg yeah there was drama there but they qualified one two finished one two 2021 was drama filled 2020 sorry 2010 was a, a title fight between four people potentially who could win. And once again, not because of the track. So like if we're gonna if we're gonna talk about all the crappy road courses, let's let's go back in time a little bit and remind everybody that the sweeping rule changes that came in 2009 created the platform for why we have way too many road courses. And every single one of you in the media now, I saw Damon Hill coming out and saying, oh, we're going in the direction of Formula E. Yeah. Yeah, you've been going in that direction for many years. You've been having this problem for a long time. I, I liken it that you're actually going in the direction of Indy. And that you're slowly going to destroy your, your racing league to create something that nobody likes to watch. Americans like more road courses because Indy, historically, and NASCAR, too, 
were meant to be on the road. NASCAR is a weird history. I'm not really too sure, but apparently it was the, the moonshiners back in the day made, trying to make faster and faster cars, which is why they just want to see how fast the car can go, which is why they create the oval, which is the way to get the car to go the fastest. But, but Indy was created as a road course circuit. The cars were designed for that. So when Formula One in 2009 made sweeping changes to have more closer to spec cars because they wanted to see who the real driver was, like who the best driver was, not necessarily who had the best car, which if you go back a few years before that was, let's make sure that there's no Michael Schumacher ever again in this league. And I've talked about that in other podcasts, like the rule changes in 2005, the, and then the eventual lead up to 2009 when they said okay we're gonna we're gonna want better racing we're gonna want like i said more spec cars everybody's gonna have the same type of spec cars to go off of you can all decide your engine manufacturers you can none of you can decide your tires anymore and then a year later they said no more refueling which completely got rid of strategy which is why i say 2010 and 2012 although everybody rates them highly i don't think they were that good there wasn't any real drama or strategy. There was just some people every now and then would DNF. And especially 2012 was just the six different winners were because the big guys were DNFing at the beginning. Not necessarily because there was it was an equal playing field. And then you never had a, a season like that again. And people say, oh, well, we could we pray for the for a year like 2012 to come again. We we wish something like 2012 will happen. It was one of the best seasons ever. Well, it was it was a fluke, and you've set up the rules in a way that it's never going to happen again. So we have to go back in time to see why Madrid is going to be such a fucking disaster. Because when you started to change the cars then, you created a lot of the problems you have now. When you created spec cars with no refueling, no tire strategy, and valued overtaking with the new D, the DRS system. You set it up so that the cars were going to have to be put on different types of tracks. They weren't going to be meant for the, the circuits we saw of old. The circuits were put there to, to help level the playing field. Essentially, a lot of them were just high. Some, some of them were high speed, like Monza, Hockenheim. Others were a variation, like Spa where it depended on your setup, depended on the grip that you had. It wasn't necessarily the fastest engine that won the race. It was, can you set up your car well? Can you get your, are you going to use the right tires for the race? Are you going to do a one or two stop strategy? Well, when you got all rid of that, when you got rid of all of that, sorry, I, I guess I have dyslexia. You created the, the platform for something like road courses to come in. And they've always wanted to trend towards road courses because the Americans supposedly like road courses. Never mind that the American market that watches Formula One probably likes it because they like the European style of things. They already have an American style racing league, which is called Indy. By the way, that failed many times over and has been reformed a bunch of times over. And the variation we have now isn't exactly an exciting uh, well-watched league. So why you're trending towards it is is beyond me. Why you think the Americans are going to like something 
that they didn't like in America, but branded for Americans and Europeans in Formula One, boggles my mind. But once again, the issue is not necessarily just those rule changes. It's the fact that you all praised these road courses as they came out because it benefited you. Because the sponsorship was changing. Because it was switching hands to Liberty Media and the Saudis. And that's what they wanted. So you sat here and said, oh, this is great. Look at all, like, look at Azerbaijan, look at Singapore. These are beloved circuits. But like most things, reality is coming to a head these days. Cat Williams called it recently on the Club Shay Shay podcast, the, the, the Age of Truth 2024. And I think he's right because I've never thought in a million years that the form, the consensus from the Formula One fans and even the commentators and even someone like Damon Hill would be that we don't need another road course. Too fucking late. The organization is in charge of is in charge by people who want, are trending towards this. They've added Saudi Arabia, Qatar, Bahrain, Azerbaijan as of as of late. You didn't really speak up then. They haven't necessarily been great races. And now and now Madrid's coming in and you're like, oh, not another one. No, like Vegas ended up being pretty good. But for the most part, did America really need a third race on a road course in Las Vegas on a Saturday night? In the cold? Not really. Not really. Ended up being good, like I said. Ended up being a fun race. But but you allowed all this to happen. You let, metaphorically speaking, even though this, this makes perfect sense, the camel into the tent. <laughs> the camel let the, got his nose into the tent, and now you're saying, oh, we got to get him out. Too late. Too late. You allowed all this to happen over the last 15 years of rule changes. And now you have cars that are more and more spec. They all have the same design. They're not allowed to refuel. They're not allowed to choose their tire manufacturers. And let's give a round of applause to Pirelli for consistently getting it wrong with the tires. Why they haven't thought to change it is beyond me. But yeah. You've created something that's close to Indy. And Indy is best on road courses. So why are you complaining that there's more road courses? Once again, I agree with all these people. I can't stand the road courses. A lot of them are garbage. Let's get more circuits back. Let's get more circuits and fewer races. Get, scrap all the Middle East. For the love of God, they're all terrible races. But they won't. They won't because they originally did it to get rid of a boogeyman. The boogeyman being Michael Schumacher winning five titles in a row. And I've said this on all of my other podcasts. So I don't really want to get into it. But he was winning. He was dominating. Formula One couldn't catch up to him. And now, and then they started changing the point system. Then changed the, the regulations in 2005. And they stopped him. 
And when you did that, you gave the sharks taste for blood. And now, the European royalty, the, who are born control freaks, who ran F1 at the time, were able to pick and choose what they wanted the sport to be. And not necessarily what the owners of teams and the drivers wanted. When you allowed them to change it once, they're going to change it every single time to benefit certain people, in my opinion. So, Madrid being on the calendar must benefit one of these people. Because it doesn't look like it's a necessarily good course. It's, an, it's going to be a silly layout. It's going to be half street, half circuit, half uh, in a convention center. I think that's more Formula E, but like it's just going to be a weird hybrid. It doesn't look great. And they're touting it as the next great thing, but it's like you're going to make it more grueling on the drivers. You're going to change the lifespan of drivers. They're not going to be any more Hamiltons and Alonso going for 20 years. You're going to make it grueling on the teams. There's going to be another race. It's probably going to be 25-26 by the time we get to 2026. Make it grueling on the tire manufacturers. You're just going to you're just going to ruin this sport in a million different ways. And I talked about everything. I talked about the the regulation changes 2009, Michael Schumacher being the boogeyman. We need it on the record now that these are all trash. We need it all on the record now that these are trash because, like I said, once you gave the royalty a chance for blood, or, or a taste of blood, you gave them a chance to change whatever they wanted. And I started this podcast because I see what's coming next. There's going to be more changes. Max Verstappen's already talked about how the, the cars don't look good. They they seem like they have low speed. We have to figure it out. He said 2023, three years in, three years from then. We got to start changing it. Doesn't sound like it's going to be a good product at the end of it. The reason I created this podcast is so that it's on the record and that I can say that they're going to tear down Max Verstappen next. They're going to start tearing down Max Verstappen. Madrid Madrid sparked this idea in my head because I'm like, oh, there's another crappy road course. They're foisting this on us. We don't really want to watch it. Everybody's rejecting it, finally. Too little, too late. And that's why I had to talk about the history of it, the history of why we got there. And the reason is, is because they're going to slowly tear down Max Verstappen. I think this is their way of creating a grueling calendar that may benefit certain cars. And it's probably not going to be Red Bull. I see it coming. I saw it coming 2023. Early early this season. the first, This last season. I saw it coming because of the way the articles are being written about him. It's not him. It's the car. The car is really good. There's more talk about Adrian Newey's designs, more talk about his past, about how he's one of the greatest uh, engineers of all time. And he is. Kudos to him. But there's more talk. Like there was a ridiculous article this year saying, Charles Leclerc is the better driver. I think it was Planet F1 or Motorsport or Autosport, one of those crappy organizations. And 
They're saying Charles Leclerc is the better driver. He's just unlucky in a in a worse car. I must have been imagining 2022. I must have been dreaming the entire time. I must have had a Shutter Island-like delusion in 2022 when he started off with the best car. Started off winning two of the first three races and then proceeded to disappear in the driver's title fight. Not unlike, hmm, who does that sound like? Oh, Sergio Perez. Everybody's shitting all over Sergio Perez for having a bad season. And yeah, he did, didn't have the greatest season. But they're trying to get rid of him with this idea that if we put like a Norris or Leclerc or a Hamilton in that second Red Bull, Max Verstappen is going to be beat. He's going to have more of a title fight. He's going to be challenged. He's not the best driver. Mika Hakkinen, I think this year, also said Norris and Verstappen are on the same level. Based on fucking what? Based on fucking what? Verstappen came into a shitty Red Bull team. Don't forget that. They weren't doing that good at the time. The Renault engines were letting them down. He came in and slowly built that team up and got better and better. And yes, he was helped by a great engineer, but so was Schumacher, so was Senna, so was Mansell. Definitely was Hamilton. Helped by great engineers. But the best drivers are able to work with their team and build their team up. Charles Leclerc could not do that. They completely forgot the 2022 season when they wrote that article saying he's, he's maybe better. He had the best car. And development stalled. Because he doesn't know how to develop a car. He doesn't know how to make it better. He doesn't know how to do setup. He just knows how to sit in a fast car and drive it. But he needs everything done for him. I'm bringing this all up because I can see that the language, the way they're talking about Verstappen, he's not that good. The way they shat all over him for 2021, Abu Dhabi, wasn't his fault. It was actually a lot to do with Mercedes. In the ear of the FIA saying we need more, more racing. You know, Total Wolf would always be up there saying we want more racing. We want more excitement. We want more drama. We want good title fights. We want more Americans watching this. Is our sport's boring. We need, we need to bring all this stuff in so that more Americans can watch. Yeah, unless you lose and then you complain up and down as to why the rules are against you when you help change them. You brought the sport to a certain point and then when it worked against you, you're fucking livid. Yeah, the, the languages I can see it being set up in a way that they're saying, oh, this was total domination this year. We need a better a better teammate in that second Red Bull so we can have more excitement. Max Verstappen isn't really that good. It's because they know next year, after all this talk about Mercedes, Ferrari, and McLaren doing some major upgrades, they've been doing a lot of work over the offseason. They're going to they're gonna catch up. They know, and we know. I know especially. Red Bull's going to mop the floor with them again. Red Bull stopped development in 2023 and still won 21 of 22 races. They had a penalty. Remember, they, they had the, the cost cap penalty from 2021 applied to their wind tunnel time in 2022, in 2023. So they had less development time, even more so because they were the Constructor Championship, which has the least development time. 
least one tunnel time, and then another 10% off of that, and still destroyed everybody. What's going to happen with full wind tunnel time and full development? And on top of that, they still have the best driver by far. They're going to crush. There's a chance they'll do a clean sweep this year. This year, I'm, I'm, that's my prediction. I think, I think they, if they don't do a clean sweep, I'll be surprised. Because the way Max is, he's not going to be happy with just a 19-win season. He lost three races in his eyes. Even Adrian Newey said something amazing. He said, oh, we're looking at Singapore. We want to know how that happened. We'd never want that to happen again. You just had a goddamn near-perfect season, and you're, and you're looking at the one race you lost? Kudos. Kudos. That's, what, that's the attitude we want in Formula One. We never want to settle. We never want to be Nico Hulkenberg saying he had a perfect race finishing 12th. But yeah, they know it's coming. They know what's coming. They know Max Verstappen's going to be dominant. So they, they're creating the language in the background. They're casting doubt in people's eyes. They're saying he's not that good. It's just the car. Red Bull figured out development. And they usually do this. Red Bull seems to unfortunately dominate during periods of only four or five years of regulation changes. Like they had the 2009 to 2013 era where they figured out the regulations and won four or five years. And I think they're going to win all five of these seasons, or four of these seasons, two, three, four, five, yeah, until 2026. And then we'll see a new team figure out 2026, maybe. Because I think, like I said, Max Verstappen's master developer. So if he figured out 2022 from 2021, that was his work, him and Newey. They're probably going to figure out 2026. There's a good chance he wins every season until 2028 when his contract is up. And I have a feeling he will be <clears throat> coerced into retirement, shall we say. Hopefully hopefully not fully threatened. But it sounds like he that's his parachute out of Formula One. And Formula One created 2026 after 2022 in case someone they didn't like started winning. Which, sure enough, is Max Verstappen. I have a feeling they're going to start changing the rules to stop them. Because you saw this language with Schumacher too. He only won 2001 by dominating. Otherwise, up until that point, he was knee-deep in title fights in a terrible car. 96, 97, 98, 99. Some of the, to me, the best seasons of all time. Especially 98, 99, 2000. To me, I watched every single race I think except the Japanese race. Those were tough. Like I was a was a young kid. It was hard to stay up late. It was hard to wake up that early. You know, it was like in the in that time frame where it's like I don't want to wake up at one, but I don't want to stay up till one. I'm too young. But still. Those were the those were the best times of Formula One. And he only only dominated two thousand one before the British market allegedly stopped watching completely. And Ecclestone said, we have to do something. We have to make this more exciting. And you sure did make it interesting by blatantly castrating a bull in front of our eyes. Someone who just couldn't be stopped by forcing his team to be unable to develop their tire brand, Bridgestone at the time, 
and you foisted on a, on the rest of Formula One, Michelin, an unsafe tire that couldn't be used at the U.S. Grand Prix. All to give Fernando Alonso two titles just to say that Michael Schumacher wasn't winning anymore. Something like that is going to happen to Max Verstappen. Something like that is going to be done to him, I think, especially if he wins the next three seasons, which I don't see anyone who can beat him. A lot of this talk about Piastri, I want to talk about this more with Sean, but uh, I don't see it. I don't see it at all in Piastri. Maybe I'm wrong, but the guy who's being trained by Mark Webber is most likely going to turn into Mark Webber. And uh, shall we say Mark Webber is uh, not a champion. Lost 13-1 to to Sebastian Vettel. In the same car. Something like this. So something like what they did to Schumacher is probably going to happen to Verstappen. And that's that's why I created this podcast. It's because I see it coming. And I want it on the record because with, like I said, close to a billion listeners. Definitely in the FIA's ear. I want them to know, don't do it. Don't make the same mistake again. Don't ruin the sport because someone who you don't like is winning. Don't stop greatness in the middle of achieving all it can achieve. Realistically, Schumacher should have won nine titles. Should have won 2005, 2006. Probably would have even stayed there longer. Probably could have got to 10. Verstappen's probably going to win all the way through to 2028 unless you stop him. So that's another five titles. That's eight. He's probably going to finish as the best of all time. To me, I think he might be. Because he's an excellent developer, like Schumacher. Built up a a team that was not doing well. An underachieving team. And he's ruthless like Senna in a way that Schumacher wasn't. Schumacher would win 10, 8 to 10 races a season, which was good, but it was, wasn't dominant. Wasn't always dominant. Few years it was. But he just didn't have that killer instinct. He wasn't crushing people by 30 seconds every race. Senna did. Verstappen does. Verstappen's got the best qualities of both. I'm kind of intrigued to see what happens. I'm kind of intrigued to see where he goes. Don't make the same mistake again. Don't ruin the sport to pick and choose who you think should win. You've been doing it in little ways for the past 15 years. I've talked about the point system before, how I think it's egregious, I think it's terrible. Creates a lot of mediocre drivers. But it's drivers that the FIA likes, not necessarily the fans. And yeah, there's a lot of star fucking fans, a lot of fans who see what the media is writing about and said, I want to be, I want to be cool, so I'm going to talk about them the way the media does. Once again, another reason why we created this podcast, so we can be a dissenting voice. I really hope I destroy Nico Hulkenberg's career. I really do. 
Like, I hope he retires a disgrace because of me. Podiumless. He's probably a really nice guy. Probably someone I'd really like to hang around. But just on principle, I want him to retire podiumless and disgraced because of this podcast. I want Jensen Button to be known as the, well, I guess not the worst champion, but one of the worst champions. I want Nico Rosberg to be told and know in his heart, thank God you retired. Thank God you retired when you did, because yeah, you did peak, in my opinion. I don't want any more rumors of him potentially come back to racing. I want this podcast to be on the record saying, thank God you don't race anymore. I see all your videos on YouTube explaining to everybody which line to take. No, I'm going to I'm going to get that advice from somebody else. Thank you. These are the people that were pushed to the forefront because of the regulation changes, because of the rule changes, because of the point changes. Because of what they did to emasculate Formula 1 to make it a quote-unquote more worldwide product. A sport built by Europeans, by European man- car manufacturers. And you want to make it a more worldwide product? You make it a more of a worldwide product by exacerbating the best of the European qualities. Your European, The European Soccer League is so good because it focuses on the individual national identities. The Italian League, the Spanish League, the, the English League, the German League, the French League. There are five different ways of playing soccer, or at least they used to be. It's coalescing these days. It's another discussion. But people like it because it's a European product. People like the World Cup, the Euro, the Continental Cups, because they're localized products. And they bring the World Cup together under a European-style platform. It was built by Europeans, that World Cup, mainly the Brits. So... This idea that you have to create something that nobody really wants because you think that's what they do want, we got to stop it. You got to stop destroying Formula One because you think more people are going to watch it. No. If Indy was more popular than Formula One, and it never was, but if Indy was more popular than Formula One, yes. Then you change the cars to more spec. Then you have only a few manufacturers. Then you have more road courses. But Formula One destroyed Indy in viewership, which is why Indy went bankrupt a million times. Indy must be looking at Formula One going, what the hell do you want to become like us for? We're barely making money. You're a powerhouse. Why do you want more road courses? Why are you about to change the regulations again? Why do you want to stop Max Verstappen so bad? That last one is, like I said, it's my opinion. I can just kind of see it coming in the way they're writing the, the articles. They can't stand someone who's confident, doesn't need them, true to himself. They can't stand someone like that winning. That's exactly what Schumacher was. Schumacher was confident, cared about his family, 
cared about himself, didn't care what everybody thought about him, just came in, did what he loved, did it well. That's exactly what Verstappen does. Which is why I can see it coming. I think we're going to have more of that that chorus come about that we need to level the playing field, especially they, they have... They've set it up in a way that they, they it's a win-win situation for them. If Verstappen dominates again, which I think he is the most likely outcome, they can start calling for rule changes. Make it more exciting. Make it more palatable. Well, we're just getting known worldwide. Drive to Survive's out there. It's very popular. Formula One's more popular than ever been. Ever been. So let's make it more of a level playing field to keep the momentum in viewership because it's boring when one person wins. And if Max Verstappen starts having a title fight this year from the new teams that are coming up, then they say, see, he's not that good anyways. There are other drivers that can beat it just as good as him. And it'll make it easier for people to swallow the crappy rule changes that are coming in 2026 so that they can have Lando Norris dominate. Which is their new chosen golden boy. British. Likeable by Gen Z. Really, like, all I had to say was British. Because the the British media just wants to make sure there's a British driver winning at all times. They, They never came as much as they did when Lewis Hamilton was consistently winning for seven seasons or six of seven seasons, when he was in the best car for eight. They were they were the most satisfied they had ever been. See, I understand why I created this podcast. I know I kind of talked about everything and went everywhere in these rants today, but the road courses are a symptom of the greater changes that Formula One has gone through. Don't change Formula 1 again because you're just going to end up with more crap like Madrid. Don't change the good parts of Formula 1. Because then we have Abu Dhabi redux a million times. Let's keep things the way it is. Let's stop trying to tear down Max Verstappen. Who's clearly the best driver of his age. Might be the best of all time. This podcast is here as a record so that everybody knows who the problem is. It's the FIA. You're going to end up with a million road courses. There's probably going to be 20 road courses by the time they're done with everything unless we finally stop this. It's very refreshing to see more and more people say they hate it. It was nice to see everybody shit on the layout of Vegas last year. Still a good race. Let's give credit where credit's due. But if any race needs to be taken out of the the grid, it's the six or seven road courses. Not Monaco. Not Spa hanging on by a thread. Not Austria. Not Hungary. For the love of God, not Hungary. Some of the greatest drama ever at that Hungarian ring. So many different winners. So many different ways of, of having that race. The wet races in Hungary are always the best. 
You already took away my beloved Hockenheim. The fast one, I mean. The original, the 90s Hockenheim. And don't you ever think about taking away Monza. God damn you if you do. God damn you if you do. Yeah. Formula One, we need to stop the changes there. Like I said, Sean and I are probably going to talk about this more in another podcast. We need to stop all the changes. We need to now rebuild it. We have a good platform. You have 10 well-funded teams. You have all these great circuits out there. You have one really good driver who's probably going to retire in a few years. The rest of them are all on level playing field. So instead of making drastic changes now, let's just wait till Max Verstappen retires, let him be great, and then we'll discuss the direction we go forward in. Don't ruin greatness while it's being great. Let it happen. I hope you enjoyed my verbal diarrhea today. I needed to let that out. And I know I wasn't exactly clear and concise as to what I wanted to get across. But like I said, I saw the Madrid adding, being added to the calendar. And I thought, oh, this might be a perfect thing to talk about. Plus, I want to talk about the point of this podcast. Why I'm here. Why I talk about what I talk about. I think you're getting more of an idea of who I am, my beliefs in Formula One. And I hope Sean smacks them down hard with facts and logic. Because someone like me who's just highly opinionated isn't always right. But I have these opinions. These are, these are the thoughts I have. And I feel like a lot of you have them too. And we're going to get through them together. We're going to get them more clear and concise in our head and make our arguments stronger together. We know something's wrong with Formula One. We don't know exactly what. And maybe we're wrong about some things. Maybe some things are really great about it. But that's what we're here for. That's what I'm here for. Let's let greatness happen and let's get rid of these goddamn road courses. You feel me? All right, well, let me know what you think. This has been another Formula One Therapy episode. We'll have philosophy going very soon. We hope you enjoy these ones, and I hope you enjoy what's coming soon. A lot more content. A lot more changes coming to this podcast. And I hope you're here to listen. Have a good night.